service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam? Hanging in there. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> We're recording on a Friday. Oh, uh, to you as well. <laughs> My mom came to town last weekend and uh oh right and she asked me how i was doing much in the same way you did and uh i are you implying that i wasn't being sincere no no not at all uh that wasn't that's not the point of this at all and i just said i was okay and i have no idea why i said that and she was like oh really just okay okay's fine yeah okay's just fine yeah, I think the problem with that question is it gets asked too often, and then people give kind of knee-jerk answers, and then occasionally you get asked a million questions about what what means your knee-jerk answer. <laughs> I really try to give that some thought every time, and that's probably a mistake on my part, because uh, those who ask that question aren't expecting a sincere answer. Adam, we were playing uh, a game before we started recording called Marin Chicken, mm-hmm. which was, uh, do you have an idea for something to talk about during yeah. the open? No. Do you? No. Then I realized I did. It's uh, it's where we look at each other with guns to each other's heads and ask, uh, <laughs> so what's your deal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I realized I, d- I I had an idea for a, a tweak on a, a beloved Marin that we do fairly frequently, mm-hmm. uh, the card game that we play known as War. Mm. But we recently came into possession of a whole new trove of cards. We both did. Yeah. Because our card daddy, Bill Tilly, sent us huge boxes of cards. Huge boxes. What about... We play war with Bill Tilly cards. All right, I'm into that. Like, do we just blindly reach into the box and pull out a set? Is that how we do this? Yeah. Oh, wow. The game is five cards. The game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the cards there. Time to pluck a pigeon. I found the pack that I'm going to use. Okay, I am going with the first first pack that I took out. I, I sort of... Dug for the middle of the box, <laughs> unwrapped a newspaper-wrapped uh, plastic, sort of, we should uh, we should describe this for the viewer. Uh, yeah. Th- like, if you were to collect baseball cards, you would often encounter, like, a plastic baseball card holder, one that can right. hold, like, hundreds of cards even. Uh, that's what we have. We have a cardboard box full of these card holders, and uh, we've each reached in for a random. Let's do the flip. You ready for this, Adam? I am. Three, two, one. <laughs> Adam, uh, the box that I uh, that I picked is from an episode of The Greatest Discovery, an wow. off-season episode where we reviewed a TOS episode uh-huh. called Mud's Women, episode title, Legendarily Horny. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, the card I flipped over is card number 24. Confidence is sexy. A great message told in the most misogynistic way. 
And it shows uh, it's two frames. One of uh, M- one of Mud's women sitting on the lap of a of a miner, and the other is Kirk and and uh, Harcourt Fenton Mud in a wow. two shot. That's great. One of our finest hours. <laughs> ben, I have the Greatest Generation 2016 tour poster, two captains, wow. one Nexus. Wow. And uh, anyone familiar with that tour or its poster will know that uh, that I am wearing very little. Yeah, you're in a justice jumper. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it is... Uh, it is pendulous, what's happening yeah. to me. And for some reason, I'm shooting a phaser. You, on the <laughs> other hand, uh, concerned with saving your own life, yeah. uh, which is an instinct that I can get with. On the back, there are our tour dates, which I'm really glad to be reminded of. God, that was 2016. Yeah. Was it that long ago? Hmm. I don't know about you, Ben, but uh, I think a tour may in this case beat an off-season episode. What do you think? Yeah, I could get behind that. All right. Three, two, one. Ben, I have a what looks like a tour poster from the 2016 tour. <laughs> it is the Greatest Generation Two Captains, One Nexus tour poster. And uh, anyone who went to that tour would recognize you and your Wesley Crusher Outfit running away from a crashing saucer, and me uh, wearing a sock like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, concerned that you just got a stack of one thing, Adam. <laughs> Let's see if that one thing beats whatever your thing is. My thing also from the Greatest Discovery episode, legendarily horny. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, when Ahura, Kirk, Bones, and Scotty materialize in the mirror universe uh, on the transporter pad. Kirk is looking down in disbelief at his getup. Scotty and Uhura are shooting each other looks and Bones just has basically one of the greatest uh, glowering Bones faces you've ever seen and the caption is, a lot of things are getting weird. (laughs) That is a solid caption. (laughs) I think that, like like so many of Bill Tilly's trading cards, the beauty is really in the selection of screenshot. Yeah. Bones looks unbelievable in this picture. I might say that that card over there might beat the tour poster this time. I think I would agree. Yeah. All right. You want to go for the third, the, uh, the tiebreaker? Let's go for the third. Let's just see what... What kind of crazy stuff you're going to flip over this time, Adam? <laughs> I'm, this so, time I'm reaching for the middle, okay? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not messing with you. I'm going for the middle of the deck here. Three, two, one. Adam, I've got another card featuring Bones from that self-same episode. It's Bones and uh, and, the, and the lady... I forget what the deal was with uh, with these ladies, but uh, she's, she's kind of like slinking around in front of uh, what looks like a medical computer in a... Uh, Quite a revealing garment, and uh, the caption is distracted by his own distraction. <laughs> and uh, again, just fucking perfect bones face in this uh, in this screen grab. I do love a bones face. Yeah, Ben, the card that I am holding in my hand uh, has 
images of you and me. Oh, oh, really? In front of a crashing and exploding Enterprise <laughs> D saucer section. Uh, oh, the, yeah. The uh, the text on the top says the greatest generation, two captains, one nexus, and that's in a nice, nice bright blue. And then at the bottom it says 2016 tour. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so that is uh, that's the tour poster for our 2016 p- tour, and on the back it says. Uh, the pods are against them, and the situation is grim. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Man. Uh, Pretty great well, card. Well, what do you think? Uh, I mean, that's I, a... You know what? Bonesface won the second round. I think Bonesface has got to win the third, and I am shocked. <laughs> shocked, I tell you, that, uh, that first ever tour poster loses uh, the first ever edition of Bill Tilly Card War. Pretty shocking. Uh, you you played that game to the letter, Adam, <laughs> if not the spirit. It was like I got a deck full of jokers, and I, and I somehow still lost. You got the oops all berries of Bill Tilly trading card decks. I did. I love a big stack of tour posters like this, though. This is great. Yeah, that's fun. I'm uh, feeling very good about this box of cards that Bill gave us. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Adam, do you want to get into the episode that we came to talk about today? You suggested that you might be doing uh, a little uh, kind of an ad hoc drunk episode. Oh, shit. I did, didn't I? When we talked about the last, uh, when we talked about the, uh, the, the, episode description last time. You know what? I am going to go upstairs and get an adult beverage. That is a great idea. And then when oh. I come back, we will talk about Deep Space Nine Season 4, Episode 20. It's called The Muse. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. Back. Better than ever. Better now. Adam... I just popped a bottle of sparkling wine. Wow. And pour it into a champagne coupe. Oh, are we doing uh, wedding toasts? This is a celebratory episode because it's Majel Baird's last on-screen appearance in Star Trek. Yeah, sure is. So I wanted to send her off send her off right. She's uh you know, for better or for worse, Majel Barrett is a major part of of Star Trek and specifically this character, Loxana yeah. Troy. Yep. We've really been through a lot with her and uh and you know, she's a character that has gone through a huge arc that started way back in the first season of TNG. Where is everyone? And I think in a lot of ways, goes through as much character change over the course of TNG as any character. Mercury's, this is the beautiful daughter I've been telling you about, Deanna. Yeah. And continues that tradition into uh, into today's episode. I'm pregnant. I think you and I have probably come full circle with her, too. Like, I've felt a lot of ways about Luaxana Troy over yeah. the years. Uh, probably every possible way about her. Yeah, I mean... She contains multitudes for sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is uh, this episode is is uh, no exception to that rule. I, I'll say. Interesting that uh, that she gets the opportunity to write herself out. Major Barrett gets a story credit 
on this episode. Wow, I did not notice that. Yeah. That's wild. This episode starts, there's a really cool like exterior establishing shot of the station that is very dynamic. It's like a, a shuttle like kind of cutting in between some of the rings and many ships putting into dock. It really, for the first time in a long time, kind of gives the sense of DS9 as busy airport. Yeah. Which I, I really love being reminded that that's one of the functions it serves. Yeah, I like that too. It it would seem as though more episodes would begin on this kind of note, just the bustle and hustle of an airport. Jake is up on his customary creeping spot on the second level of the promenade, and he's just kind of like characterizing people that he sees walking around. He's making notes for, for stories and uh, everybody he sees, he kind of spins a little a little yarn about, you know, who they might be, what they're doing. A bolian tries to impress a double girl by wearing a toupee. Ugly stereotypes are not a substitute for character development, Jake. Keep that in mind. <laughs> oh man, I got in I, I submitted a screenplay and a screenwriting class in college once, and uh, there was like a a two line character in one of the scenes that I just I just named asshole, uh-huh. and, and my screenwriting teacher really ripped into me about that because he said I collapsed the collapsed the character into that one word, hmm. giving giving an actor no room to interpret this person. Oh, I would say asshole contains multitudes. Ben. <laughs> well, you have a special relationship with the uh, with the concept of asshole. Yeah. Asshole as an institution. I think we've known assholes of all kinds. Yeah, and there, and there is a spectrum for sure. Mm-hmm. It's an episode that really kind of swings wildly between its A and B stories. You never really know like what is motivating. The, uh, you know, cut away from one scene to the start of the next. And uh, in this uh, open, Jake kind of makes weird eye contact with a, uh, a lady that steps off, a loafy lady that steps off of uh, one of these transports. And then... Hey, lady! In... Why the long face? <laughs> <laughs> it's suddenly New York. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a really long face, Ben. That's my point. Yeah, they've uh, they they loafed her long. Yeah, they gave her like a six or a seven head with yeah. that uh, with that with that forehead loaf. But uh, Udo comes into his office, and uh, there's Lawaxana. She's having a cry, and uh, he does not understand why she might be crying at first. And she gets up and confesses, Odo. I'm preggers. How do you know? Odo like searches himself deeply and is like did i knock her up <laughs> i mean she was carrying me in her dress <laughs> is it is it possible that some of it dripped through <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the implications of that are too terrible to even contemplate <laughs> i am become precum <laughs> impregnator of older women i knew i was a viscous substance certain times of day but this is ridiculous it is uh it is rolling timpani sound into theme song so if odo were the father would would the baby be able to change the shape of the bump 
<laughs> I bet. No, it's a cube. Yeah. That, that could be, at times, funny and painful. Yeah. The baby could probably make pregnancy a snap, though, right? Oh, yeah. It could just yeah. gush right out. <laughs> it doesn't. No no need to worry about if it's like if it's coming out head first or anything like that. It's just like any any part of it is potentially its head. This is an episode that draws your attention to some parts of it in order to obscure the others. Like Waxana at one point calls it a miracle. I never thought I could have another baby. Because a person of her age does not usually get pregnant. But that idea is brought up once and then totally left in the dust because the point of the whole thing is not that she's pregnant and that it may be miraculous. It's that Jayal is her husband. He's Tavnian. And Jayal is a guy with some fairly retrograde feelings about uh, about fatherhood and the role of, of the parents because he is Tavnian. Um. And he did that shitty thing where he was a really cool guy while they were dating yeah. And uh, he changed as soon as they got married. And now he's like, he's Orthodox Tavnian. And he's like, if if you're having a boy, the the baby boys need to hang out with their fathers. And See, only their fathers. I didn't get the sense that they really dated that much, to yeah. be honest. Like, I kind of got, I kind of got the feeling that this is one of those classic Lawaxana Troy putting the marriage cart before the relationship horse situations. She says nice things about him, though. Like, in those times before marriage, I don't know. I just sort of got. But she says that he said like a, some great stuff about her at their wedding. <laughs> oh, that's All the right. that's the precedent that she cites, and like th- we come to understand that to be like a serious uh, element of Tavnian yeah. wedding customs later. But I didn't get the feeling that they knew each other that well when they first got married. Huh? Yeah, I could get with that. Maybe maybe my mind was just filling in those blanks. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it would be ridiculous to marry somebody that you don't know that well in this context. <laughs> right. There are a lot of fish in the Star Trek Sea. <laughs> Waxana's there because she wants protection from Odo from her husband because she does not believe in the whole give up her baby boy to the male father and then never seeing this kid again. Right. Uh, she wants to keep the baby, and she wants Odo's help to do that. She does not want her child to not even know that women exist until he's 16. Yeah. What would that do to a young boy? You would think that I didn't know women existed until I was 16. <laughs> and then, I was real dumb. And then the existence of women was the only thing that yeah. you could think about for the next The next infinity years. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We cut back and forth between this Luxana story and the Jake story in an episode that I don't feel like is super confident in which is the A and the B story here. Yeah. I mean, one of them certainly ends before the other. Yeah. But it's certainly presented as just kind of a tandem B-plus story. <laughs> I always want to believe that the life-threatening story is the A story, but that's not always the case on this show. No. It's one of these strange episodes where the show has really like flexed its muscle in terms of like big story arcs mm-hmm. uh at this point and and this one kind of comes along and feels like it is somewhat happening in a vacuum. Yeah. It's a bottle episode, you know. 
Yeah, it really is. Uh, we go to our uh, our replimat meet cute where Jake is uh, noodling away on his iPad, and uh, and this this woman comes in and uh, and and sits down, kind of does the thing where she uh, gets him to notice her, and and she notices him, and uh, this is Onaya. Onaya is played by an actress named Meg Foster, who you may remember from the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> she played Evil Lynn, Adam. After all this time, Grayskull is ours. Yeah, who could forget Evil Lynn yeah. from Masters of the Universe? She's a she is a busy actress. She's she's got credits up to 2019. She's she's stayed working since the 80s. She's great in this episode. This is someone in the that the production notes indicated that this was their first pick. Like they yeah. always wanted to work with her and they got her. She looked so familiar to me and I was like trying to see if she did a TNG episode or or not, but I don't think she did. Yeah. She's just been like her 80s and 90s credits are like almost entirely genre television. Right. So I watched a lot of that crap. Thank you, my darling. Star Trek's imperfect future makes it so that Jake is not immediately suspicious of someone who has kind advice and experience to share. Like yeah. this is part this is like the moment that a little bit took me out of the episode because I was like, Who are you and why are you talking to Jake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the conversation is kind of about like the I mean, she starts talking to him about architecture, and apparently the architect behind several famous Cardassian buildings is somebody that she knew in the past. Tavor Kill, the architect, and she makes the case that uh, she's she's bagged a lot of artistic types, and uh, and that Jake might be next on her, you know, the next notch on her bedpost. Do you get the sense that Jake ever wants to fuck her? It's weird that, like, her presentation of this offer feels very sexy. And it is almost immediately an aspect that is not on the table. And it's not even an inclination for Jake. Like, when Jake goes to her apartment later, she says, no, this isn't about that. (laughs) This is about you writing. But it's never even on his mind. I I interpreted the way he behaved in the meet cute scene as being almost embarrassed at how strong she's coming on. Yeah. Like tempted by the potential offer of sex, but also kind of too young and and unsure of himself to play the game at at the level that she's playing it. Right. I don't know, but I I think you could also make a case for him just being embarrassed and weirded out that it that she's being so so sexy right she becomes the focal point for jake for the rest of the episode uh so much so that he ditches plans with his father to go to the bajoran outback yeah i mean he's kind of at prime skipping family vacation age he sure is yeah i definitely skipped a family vacation to france when i was about this age which i look back on with regret Boy, that never would have been possible for me. Like <laughs> skipping was not an option. Wow. Yeah, I stayed I stayed home and like I think I went hiking one day but just played like Nintendo 64 the rest of the time. Cool. <laughs> not not a great look. 
could have uh, I could have enriched myself and had a an experience in another country. Jake's rationale seems totally reasonable, though. He's like, I don't want to be the third wheel for you and Cassidy Yates. Like, I, yeah, I don't want to hear you guys one tent over getting it on. Yeah. So go on your camping trip by yourself, Dad. Do you think when you're in the Bajoran outback, you've got to keep your food and garbage in a Bajoran bear case? Like, like what sort of uh, what sort of wild animals are out there? I wonder. I don't know. We we found out through discovery that Vulcan has some pretty insane beasts running around in its forest. So. If uh, if Bajor is anything like that, I would say that you need to hang your food in a very tall tree. Can we get a tiny sea story where we just cut back to the Bajoran outback and it's like Ben Sisko shooting a Bajoran bear with a phaser? <laughs> Give me a little bit of that. It'd be like that uh, the scenes in the in that terrible Michael Crichton movie Congo where right. they set up turreted phasers <laughs> around their camp. Captain Sisko comes back to the station just like covered in bear pelts. <laughs> the biggest one is for you, Worf. I have much to teach you about women. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. Speaking of Worf, we go to Cork's bar where Worf, Kira, and Dax are sitting around a a bar table with uh, with Waxana, who, as a pregnant lady, maybe uh, doesn't want to spend too much time in a bar. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't catch what she was drinking, but uh, not necessarily the greatest combination. And uh, hey, I don't she, think pregnancy needs to hold anyone back from having a good time, Ben. To me, bars are kind of unpleasant, except for there is some alcohol to be had there. Oh, jeez. I don't know. I'm projecting myself onto her. I shouldn't do that. This does not seem to look like a fun hang, as hangs go. She is bumming everybody out to the extent that Quark actually levels a legal complaint. She's bringing down the mood in there. Yeah, Quark asks Odo to either cheer them up, which is a hilarious request of Odo, or to have uh, Odo walk Loxana home. And that is the... I mean, given the two choices, I think you know which one Odo's going to choose. <laughs> okay, I'll do my tight five. <laughs> I've been getting this ready for Conan, but I suppose I can do it here. Has anyone in the crowd accidentally almost flushed themselves down the toilet? <laughs> I mean, really. How are they making these things? Do you ever blow your nose and blow your whole face into the Kleenex? <laughs> Does this ever happen to anybody? Anybody? So I was a seagull, and I was, <laughs> and I was flying around San Francisco, and <laughs> this asshole driving a shuttlecraft cut me off, and like the only thing I wanted to do was shit on his windshield, and because I'm a changeling, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> just the worst. One nice thing about being me is I uh, I fail every blood test. <laughs> so when they come around doing the mandatory drug tests at work, I just say, not my problem. <laughs> Take my giant lake of relatives, please. <laughs> 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 L- 
Loxana does not want to go home when Odo walks them back to their quarters. They are uh, they are across the hall from each other. Yeah, she uh, she conveniently got placed in a in a set of quarters right across from him. You and I famously request rooms far away from each other when we're out on tour. Yeah, well, I always get the room with you know because I have all the status points yeah. on the on the fancy floor, and then you get the bad room. That's right. I get I get the one that's been smoked in. You get the murder room. <laughs> Loxana is admiring Odo's gym equipment, and it is here that we realize, maybe for the first time, Odo doesn't have any furniture. And this is a technology I feel like Worf should have tried before moving on to the little D. Like, if he doesn't want visitors, don't have furniture. Or, like, bring back the balls chair. You didn't see a guest ever sit in the balls chair, Worf. Yeah, nobody comes over to your house and and picks that as where they're going to sit. Right. Yeah, so I think Worf left too early. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I feel like uh, Cardassian room is his kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I wondered a little bit, like, like we've watched Odo do some changeling stuff in a way that makes it seem semi-pleasurable. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if everything in his apartment is kind of a sex toy. Yeah, it kind of looks like everything is a version of the Accommodator. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ruth would just uh, give him a double thumbs up on, on his home decor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, tonally, this scene is really interesting because it starts with this sort of hospitality confusion and then pivots directly into a pretty deep conversation that they have where Loxana is like, are you over Kira? Because I'm still not over you. And it's here that we learn that Kira and Shakar are still together. I thought it was also interesting. She talked about her her deceased baby yeah. from that uh, that episode about Troy having a little sister yeah. once. And it, uh, I mean, this is a great scene. It really gets to the emotional depth of, of this character, and it's kind of an interesting choice. She's kind of she's kind of drifting off while while talking about it. Life is a search to find the peace you once had when you were safe inside your mother. But I think also getting deep down into some emotional truth while doing that. I didn't have a mother. This, I think, if we were to note the moment that we finally came around on Loxana Troy, I think it was when she started to demonstrate this kind of pathos. Yeah, like having when- a, a, a rich internal life that is unsatisfied with her position in the world it took several episodes for her to get there like uh, she did a ton of like ham and cheese story but like those days are are long ago and i think this is a version of her that's very interesting that continues to be interesting and uh it's uh you know we've talked about odo as a wet blanket several times but in this scene he turns into a regular blanket (laughs) what a friend yeah, yeah, uh, kind of a horrifying monstrosity, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I love a, the, a blanket the, pillow man chimera. I love the intention, but like this is horrifying, isn't it? Like, if she were to wake up, he would look. She would look down at what's covering her, and then look yeah. at what's above her. I that would not be restful sleep. Could you get drenched in Odo? Is Odo warm? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I, because I guess the reason I ask is like if that is a cool blanket, 
I could get with that. But if that is a human being temperature blanket, that would be Ugh. awful. Yeah, yeah. No heated blankets. Thank you very much. Yeah, don't need any of that. Well, uh, speaking of things that are draped, Adam, <laughs> uh, Jake shows up at Onaya's quarters where she has done, like, full 80s sex curtains. Everywhere you look, there are candles and curtains. I brought some of my stories for you to read. I don't need to. Oh. She is in total There Is No Dana, Only Zool regalia. <laughs> She's like that kind of Sigourney Weavering. Yeah, and uh, and she gets kind of she gets Jake to sit down in front of her, and she's kind of talking him through some some writing process stuff. He brought some he brought some finished stories for her to look over, and she has zero interest in that. Oh, Naya's like, have you heard of Julia Cameron? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna sit you down, and we're gonna get you just writing your morning pages. I don't know who Julia Cameron is. She's the author of The Artist Way. And oh. there was a there was a lot about Onaya in this episode that made me think of that as a thing. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely a character that I feel like you see a lot of in all things because writers are fascinated with the idea of like how to write more, better, faster, mm-hmm. and not be stuck with your own thoughts. Yeah, and this is you know just one example. I feel like even in Star Trek of of that idea. Right. The fantasy of breaking through writer's block. Um, she gives him a uh, a fancy fountain pen and some real paper, which is a total novelty to to Jake. Uh, but uh, in spite of its novelty, Jake winds up having like super incredible penmanship. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> like how do you, how are you, how are you going to be that have that beautiful of lettering if you almost exclusively work? In a word processor on an iPad. It would be great if they they tilted down off of Jake's face to the paper and it's just like the worst chicken scratch. Like <laughs> he's holding the pen in his fist. <laughs> <laughs> What's this, a crayon? Yes, it was uh, used by another famous author and now it is yours. I'm going to put this out in the world. I want to see a recut of this scene where, where they cut from his face down to the paper and it's like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. Yeah. Looking like a doctor is writing it. Uh, she starts it's, to... It's just a picture of dick butt. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like badly drawn. Yeah, yeah. She starts kind of rubbing uh, his, his writing chakra on the back of his head. You stimulate a neural pressure point like this. And uh, this is all because she kind of ascribes to a certain theory of creativity, which is write horny, edit sober. <laughs> that chapter was not in the artist's way. <laughs> but I can get with it. You feel where my thumbs are? Mm-hmm. This looks like it feels very good. Yeah. Uh, but Jake is doing that thing where he's like dispassionately accepting a blowjob and not really paying attention. Like, <laughs> like all sorts of stuff is happening to his body and yeah. he is focused on the page. He is focused. We cut back to Odo's quarters where Loaxana is playing 
a fun game called Find the Changeling. <laughs> no one ever looks in the toilet. There you are. <laughs> this looks like so much fun. I, yeah. I legit want to play this game. I mean, it seems impossible, right? Like he, he perfectly blends in. I she is convinced that she's found him too. The question of warmth is maybe even more apt here. Like, if you were to run your hand over the sculpture in the room, could you feel a temperature change where Odo was? I Doesn't bet not. change on, like, a molecular level, though? Yeah. Like, when they scan a... Th- like, there That's was that a- whole episode where, where Change Leader was impersonating Kira stuck in a rock. Yeah. And he thought he was... Like, when he, when he tricordered that rock, he was scanning rock. Yeah, it's imperceptible. And I guess... Loxana must not be able to get a read off of him emotionally in any state, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's un, un, unreadable to her. Yeah. Yeah. So she is going to suck at this game, but she's still uh, looking like she's having a fun time playing, So and so is Odo. Yeah. Uh, he gets called away because uh, her husband has arrived on the station, and uh, we get to meet this guy. His name is Jayal. Yeah. And uh, he is none too pleased at the situation with uh, Odo covering for his wife. And uh, Odo makes a, a fairly startling announcement in this scene, which is that JL is not going to have any legal claim to his child under the Tavanian system of, of justice pretty soon because the baby belongs to the wife's husband. And uh, if Odo marries Loxana... JL is out of the picture. We're getting married? I kind of wish JL, like, JL is indignant about the situation. He's indignant about having to come and find his wife. Yeah. But he is not feeling a particular way about facing this description of Tavnian law and how Odo wants to use it to take his child away. Like, <laughs> I, I was bewildered by this. As if. Tavnians sort of put up with the idea of wives being taken away by by other potential suitors, like that. This must happen all the time. Well, them's the rules. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> not a not a satisfying character motivation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, the preparation begins for this Tavnian traditional wedding, and it's a ceremony that hinges on the groom being able to convince everyone at the ceremony. And in this case, even Jayal of of Odo's sincere love for Loxana Troy. Like it's it's sort of a prove it or or lose it situation. Right. And it's kind of a it like that's presented as like a like a major catch that you know I mean, I, I think that to some extent the the scene where she explains this to Odo is as much about Odo's love for Kira mm-hmm. as anything else. It's not as if I was planning to marry someone else. But that's kind of subtext in it. Right. Because she says, like, you're going to actually have to convince them that, that you love me for real, for real. And mm-hmm. even my husband is going to have to believe that. Yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a test for someone for whom feelings don't come easy. If you start crying, just try to push the tears onto your forehead so it'll look like sweat. We briefly cut back to a scene where Jake is writing and it's like, close up on his beautiful penmanship as drops of blood are falling out of his nose onto the page. Yeah. And that they kind of, they kind of brush past that like she gives him some some Kleenex. 
and uh he's briefly like oh man uh one of my favorite comedians just did an amazing joke about this actually you ever blow your nose and blow off your whole face <laughs> I, it's, it's funnier when he says it you know what i love about odo is he just tells it like it is <laughs> he's saying what we're all thinking <laughs> yeah yeah and it at this point feels like if you weren't hip to it before you're sort of coming around to the idea that this is a seduce and destroy situation on Onaya's part. Yeah. Yeah, she is a she's a succubus. The next scene is the wedding and I was shocked Ben that no one in attendance bothered to wear their dress uniform. Does that say that they found out too late or that that's how much they care about Odo and <laughs> and this and this shotgun wedding that they're having? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Odo and Loaxana seem to be the only ones that dressed up at all. Yeah, and, and I mean, blue corduroy, not the most formal of textiles, right? No, certainly not. I mean, maybe it used to be. Yeah. Back when it was the, the cloth of the king or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But is Odo wearing something or did he changeling this outfit? Oh yeah, like I don't I don't think Odo is ever wearing clothes. I think he is in a constant state of full nudity Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Weird to think about. Odo gives it a crack, like he 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 makes the case but in a very like diplomatic way, like the case for his his marriage yeah. to Loxana. Jayal doesn't buy it. It's it's it is like a very perfunctory business-like statement and yeah jl is having none of it and then we get an opportunity for odo to be really vulnerable about his the way he relates to luoxana the day i met her is the day i stopped being alone i think digs deep and as much convinces himself as everyone else in the room that he is actually sincerely in love with her taking off the table their gender I kind of think that Tavnian traditional weddings are a great idea. Like if like how many how many weddings have you been to with friends where you're like, "Boy, I sure hope they make it." I don't see it personally, but like <laughs> I hope but like go get them, kids. But the, I I love the idea. It's I think it's sort of like what writing your own vows does that very right. few people do. But the idea of facing your friends and family and saying why you want to do this big thing, and and making that from the heart, I could making totally the case for it. I love this idea. I I wish it were done more often. I think it's cool. The stakes are really high, right? Yeah, because <laughs> it, it's the speak now or forever hold your peace taken to the nth degree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And if you are unable to make that case in front of your friends and family, like, what then? Yeah. It's uh, exciting. Jenna is, um, uh, like, really great looking. Uh, she's two months pregnant. Uh, she can drink me under the table. <laughs> Even now. Yeah, the wedding invitations just say, uh, possible wedding. Yeah. RSVP. Yeah. But the scene builds to a really nice emotional crescendo, and everyone is convinced. And JL like walks out, uh, not not complaining. Like he relinquishes his marriage with Loaxana, and therefore his son. And then uh, like all the all the Starfleets are standing around with Cork, and 
he announces that they're gonna go have a party at Cork's bar because he's a hopeless romantic. Yeah. I don't buy that for a second. <laughs> and when everybody is out of the room, Loxana says, like, oh, thank goodness that you really sold that. That was great. Glad uh, glad we were able to, to pull the old wool over everyone's eyes. And yeah. Odo's like, that wasn't wool. That was me. <laughs> Everyone always makes that mistake. <laughs> it was me the whole time. <laughs> it's another kind of romantic and relational rug pulled out from this poor guy. Yeah. Because I think he was really being serious. Waxana makes two mistakes in this scene. She she does not know Odo's true feelings when she shoots her mouth off like that. And she wants to tell the gang after the party that it's not a real wedding. And that's yeah. not cool. You're accepting, like, uh, that's, that's stolen wedding valor to go to the bar and accept all the free drinks and, and like, all that merriment. Yeah. That's we, crummy. Uh, we had an apartment in Brooklyn... Uh, it was it was my then fiance and I and another couple, and it was a bit of a party house. Like on on the weekends, often uh, friends would would be would kind of convene there because we had a good amount of space and a yard, so it was kind of a nice place to to spend time with a bunch of people. And at one point, while we were living there, uh, a couple that were I guess friends with my. Maybe they were friends of friends of my roommates, but they came over and they're like, "Yeah, we just got married, so the the he can stay in the country." Like they 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 were like telling us about their their green card marriage. Oh, that's fun. And they like literally just come from the courthouse, but then they invited like everybody they knew to have their wedding reception just at our apartment. Huh? And at a certain point, it was like three a.m. and it was like bumping in our apartment. I was like, "We did not agree to this." <laughs> Wow. Yeah, like, that's not good. Don't have your don't have your reception at somebody's house you don't know. No. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's a bad look. I am often surprised at how uh like I've got enough self awareness for everyone. I have too much, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. And yeah, I'm, I'm an overabundance. I, I, I have that same affliction. I'm shocked when I encounter a person with next to zero. Yeah, it's a uh, well for us to have a surplus, there have to people have to be people with barely any, right? That's capitalism, baby. <laughs> more, 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 dear, sweet, more, more, more. You hear, buddy? More. Stop. Hammer time. While everything seems to be great for Loxana and Odo, things in the Onaya and Jake arena are not. Because they're having an argument about his work output. She wants him to rest, and he wants to keep going. I think that the implication of this scene is that he has been writing flat out for days. Because Ben went off on his three-day trip, and they're saying, like, oh, yeah, he'll be back soon, and I can rest then. And she's like, no, you need to rest now, because you're not going to... You're not going to be doing that well if if you keep pushing. And Jake is really writing for, I need to... I need to see this thing through. I could be done in a couple of days with a real novel. We pan over to the answering machine in in Jake and Ben's quarters with the red light flashing, and it's like the tape from Grizzly Man being played. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, you gotta help me. 
<laughs> the Bajoran bears are everywhere. I listened to the tape and I told Jake <laughs> he must never listen to it. <laughs> but anyways, she does convince Jake that it's time to uh, to take five and maybe go have a cup of juice and a nap. And uh, he kind of... Gets it. He gets on the elevator and takes it down to the repo mat and gets himself some OJ. And he's really stumbling around. And when he sits down to have his juice, he uh, he passes out on the floor of the repo mat. And it's a smash cut to infirmary where uh, Captain Cisco, still in his civilian clothing, is standing over him with Bashir. And Bashir is basically saying, like, this was a super close call. His brain almost collapsed from some external stimulus the source of which i know not what yeah get a load of synaptic collapse that doesn't sound good no it does not (laughs) the synapses do not fire well enterprise (laughs) (laughs) so they're they're gonna let jake get some bed rest for a while and uh one of the pejora nurses is doing some science over him when onaya kind of appears in the corner of the room um, and she's got kind of like a sparkly glitter ghost effect yeah. that we've seen coming out of her hands a couple of times. And in this moment, just because of the way the the shot was framed, it kind of made it look like there was just a sparkly glitter ghost appearing directly over Jake's face. Right. But in fact, she's like deep in the corner of the room. Yeah. Not great. This is going to be the first of a couple Onaya effects that I wish had been better. I understand yeah. why they're not, but uh, but a little bit of a liability in this episode. She kind of uh, boxes the Bajoran nurse out of the way and then uh, tries to convince Jake to abscond with her to go finish the novel. Come with me, Jake. After the commercial break, it's Cisco, Bashir, and O'Brien talking about this search for Jake. And what I wasn't clear on in this moment was why they were searching for Onaya and traces of her psionic power instead of searching for Jake. Like, did they ever mention why that wasn't a possibility? Why wouldn't the censors pick Jake up? I don't know. Maybe he took off his uh, comm badge or something? Yeah. This stuck in my mind craw. Mm, Yeah, there could have been half a sentence of dialogue to to clear that up, but they do find psionic energy in the bulkhead and they know that what happened to Jake was psionic. So they're going to look for whatever, uh, and, and I guess the nurse also saw this lady. So they're going to, uh, they got to do a hard target psionic search. Psionic roadblocks at a 20 mile radius. Uh-huh. Going to search every psionic fox house, psionic hen house, and psionic outhouse until we find our man. <laughs> All the vol houses on DS9. Yeah. And we catch up with Jake in a uh, in a Jeffrey's tube. And Onaya is like literally scooping glitter out of his brain and smearing it all over her decolletage in this scene. Yeah. She is, she is really, she is really getting, getting off on this creativity binge that he's having. She doesn't want the blood coming out of his nose because that would be gross. Yeah. Yeah, she keeps she keeps helping him with the blood, but Cisco Cisco finds them. He, to his credit, like tries to phaser her. I love this. Yeah, 
He is not interested in studying new life in the aliens parlance. He does not want to take back, does not want to study. He chooses to destroy, <laughs> which is great. Uh, the only problem is he can't destroy Onaya because I guess with the help of Jake's life energy, but maybe it doesn't matter, uh, phasers are useless against her. Yeah, she uh, she kind of villain monologues what she is and what she did for him before she disappears. She says uh, she's a, a being of pure energy that goes and finds uh, brilliant minds. She lists Keats among some alien names. And uh, and I guess the the case that she's making is that she's sort of an internal that causes a creative mind to accelerate, which gives up gives off some kind of energy that she feeds on and uh, uses that person up, but also gives them the gift of being a name that rings out in history. Nothing Ben Sisko hates more than a name dropper. I think that's why he shoots her. Yeah, he says, you dropped something. <laughs> <laughs> Onaya pieces out like like goes through the bulkhead, leaves the station, and then goes to warp. Yeah, she must be cousins with the uh, creepy little girl that visited the entrepreneur that one time. Is she on her way to Delta Runner 4? Because <laughs> uh, she seems like a very powerful lady. Listen, I've lived a lot of life, and I think what I, I'm kind of realizing is I need a woman that is not going to disappear at the Arrival of some snack. <laughs> Somebody who can really stick it out with me for the long haul. I've been with Rashan for thousands of years, and we're just now beginning to open up the marriage. <laughs> I, uh, I, I like my chances. We'll have to see uh, if Onaya is game. You know, uh, a lot of people don't realize that, well, in a same-sex couple, Rashan is technically bisexual and she does not want to look at me as the person that limits her ability to explore the other side of her sexuality so this could actually be great for both of us i i am not trying to force that to happen i'm just uh hoping that you know this being available to both of us is good for everyone when you're as old as i am you get to be pretty (laughs) (laughs) open-minded I bet you didn't think you could get to a, an age where you thought gold glitter was sexy just on its own, but that's how old I am. <laughs> there was a time when I would come home from the club covered in gold bi- glitter and uh, I'd have to wash that off pretty fast. <laughs> Very embarrassing, but not anymore. Anyways, we've been listening to a lot of Dan Savage and he's given us some ideas about new ways to live our life and uh, for that I am very thankful. You really want to do this? Here, now, okay, okay, let's do it! The button on the episode is Waxana after going through a successful Tavnian traditional wedding has totally flipped the script on Odo. This comes as a surprise to him. She wants to take a transport back to Beta Z to give birth. Because she's still in love with him, but she also knows that it's not fair uh, to stick around and love him because of the resentments that are a part of unrecorded love. I've imposed on you enough. Pretty mature way of doing it. Like, uh, I I tip my hat to Loxana Troy here. Like, she's been around the block. She doesn't want to go through any bullshit with Odo. Yeah. 
And also, I mean, I think uh, true to his character, he is back in his box. You know, he's right. he, he cannot bring himself to just say the thing that would make her understand that he wasn't he wasn't acting. He's in a relationship bucket, if you will. Yeah. You know, a lot of people get into stand-up because they really want a, a sitcom. You know, that, that that's looked down on in the comedy community, but I really just want a sitcom. Is that such a bad thing? I'm less of a stand-up and more of a storyteller. An alt-comic, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, some of, my, some of my material I do with a PowerPoint presentation. Sometimes I draw something on an easel. Finally, Jake looks like he's recovered, and his father has just finished reading the manuscript that he wrote with Onaya. This has not often gone well. Other times Ben has read Jake's work, it has uh, inspired some fairly faint praise. Yeah, some, uh, wow, this shows some potential. <laughs> yeah, in this case, uh, he really digs it. It's unfinished, but they begin to debate inspiration's relationship with creative work and yeah and like when and how much responsibility a creator connotes to inspiration versus like taking responsibility for their own created work i thought this part of the episode was pretty interesting like yeah the reluctance jake has in feeling like it's his inspiration is 99 percent perspiration and in my case at least twice that he does not feel like it's his and that is, I think, a very familiar thing for creatives that sometimes you create something that you didn't even really feel that much agency in creating. You know, you just did it and then it was there and done and, you you, you know, it feels like it came from somewhere else. Right. And the case Ben Sisko is making is like these words were in you. She helped you get them out and there's no you shouldn't feel guilty about that. Like this is this is really you. These are your characters and your words, even yeah. though you suck at spelling. <laughs> yeah. Jake learned how to write cursive, but he did <laughs> not learn how to spell. I know. I love that he's he's working without spell check. I yeah. probably suck at spelling too. Yeah. The final shot before we go to an establishing of the station is Jake titling the book, and it's Anselm, which is the title of one of the books in uh, in that is referenced in The Visitor. That's right. So maybe it will happen like that? <laughs> yeah, he's going to finish that thing. Maybe Ben Sisko will have another accident. Did you like the episode, Adam? This feels like an episode for people who liked Imaginary Friend and The Visitor. <laughs> and I am not one of those people. Yeah, it's kind of just imaginary friend meets the visitor, isn't it? It really is. I mean, there are elements to like here. I like the Loxana Troy stuff. I like Odo. You know, Odo does that thing where he 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 demonstrates some growth and then he withdraws again. And that is sort of a thing with him. Like he he can he has the potential, but he just doesn't quite get there like he gets in his own way and and that is interesting to see and i like stories that tell that that give odo that kind of dimensionality but like i it makes me sad that we're not gonna see loxana troy anymore i yeah. guess it's a good episode for her to go out on 
I mean, uh, her stuff is good for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's probably the best part of the app. The whole lady getting a hard on just watching Jake write was <laughs> was pretty cheesy. Like that's Yeah. That's not a thing. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. But uh like as far if we're like gonna argue what science fiction is, like that's just, <laughs> that's that's pretty science fiction to me. Yeah, that's uh that's that's just pure writer fantasy. What but, if a girl liked me for doing this? Both that and like Jake Sisko wanting to live a creative life. That seems like in modern times a fantasy too, unfortunately. But I think it's neat that Jake can be a role model for people who want to live such a life. So in that way, I'm glad stories like this exist. I just don't think this is a great execution of those themes. What about you? Uh, I, I am right there with you. I, I felt like it's an episode with a lot of creditable ideas in it and some good performances, but it's very uneven and... and doesn't really hold together as as a a cogent thing that that i like that much yeah but you know what i do like adam yeah do you like priority one messages that much ben fucking love them (laughs) priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental income supplemental supplemental yeah it's extra but the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship Adam, we have a couple of Priority One messages here. The first one is from Jim, and it's to Ben and Adam. Goes like this. Just listen to your nth degree episode. Wow. (laughs) Was that uh, the actual episode about nth degree, or the one where we rolled nth degree on the game of buttholes? Hmm. Who knows? Anyways, just listened to your nth degree episode and noticed Ben's use of the word factoid, an often misused word that should describe a commonly held but false speculation. I was then delighted when your use of the word proved correct and the, quote, extensive research you both had done amounted to repeated bad puns and doing bits about made up behind the scene. And then it's just the word scene and there's no period. Oh, cool. Well, uh... Good message there, Jim. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, maybe Jim passed out before finishing his priority on message. It feels like we're in the dunk tank, and uh, and Jim <laughs> paid to throw some baseballs at the target. So, good job, Jim. An episode that I don't think we ever could have imagined was going to be as controversial as it was. Right. We still get shitty tweets about that. Yeah. Cool. Ben, our second priority one message is from Jim. I got cut off. (laughs) The message is for Ben and Adam. Message goes like this in the middle of a sentence. Made up behind the scenes trivia. You always make me laugh, whether it's a special episode or a regular old episode. Thanks for the great work you do. So Jim totally redeemed himself. Wow. Second message. Directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Twist ending. Wow. Great job, Jim. Amazing. If you would like to send us a message uh, with twists and turns, you know what to do. You head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And uh, these really help us uh, cover the cost of production. Thank you. Gotta get that, get that gold press You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. 
But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, I'm going to give the Shimoda to Worf, who (laughs) went through 
makeup for a scene in which I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's two words that he says, and he sits totally still in that scene in Quark's bar as, <laughs> as Loxana is telling them her depressing story. He's just staring off into the middle distance, and then Odo mentions something about walking, and Worf says, I'll go, but the offer wasn't for him. <laughs> and the choice that Michael Dorn is making here, like I'm choosing to project a man's uh, disappointment and frustration at having to go through makeup to do his one scene <laughs> and deliver his two words of dialogue. Like there's a lot going on here. I'm choosing to believe that. But for Worf to just like, I don't know if a Klingon has ever been in this much existential pain before. The look on his face is awful. Yeah. And I love it. I love every choice about it. And for that reason, Worf's my drunk Shimoda. What about you? Mine is the husband, the original husband, JL. Yeah. This guy storms into Odo's office in a huff. You know, like, I hope you have a good reason for detaining me, sir. <laughs> and uh, he has heard tell of Odo, uh, presumably from Loxana. And then in making the case for uh, why he is here to get Loaxana, he utters her name and he fucking mispronounces it. Yeah. <laughs> the way we used to. I think there's... There you don't times... know your own wife's name? We've, we've said Loxana before. I think that's, yeah. that's an easy mistake to make. It's an easy mistake to make, but you're, you're, sitting, across, you're sitting across from an actor who's had... A zillion scenes with this character on a set with writers and directors and producers that, you know, know all about, you know, like, I, I don't blame this actor for for having a bad take, but, get, like, go back over it again and get a good take. Right. You know? Don't leave that in the show. You don't have to do it. Yeah. So, JL is my, uh, is my drunk Shimoda for not knowing his wife's name that that clearly yeah i mean uh, how does this happen a lot of people on set are thinking about something else yeah you know i mean i think it's how episodes like this happen it's like oh we gotta fucking get an episode done yeah it's uh it's one of 26 what the fuck is the difference ben what's coming up on the next episode of deep space nine another one of 26 adam it's season four episode 21 for the cause. Cisco is shocked to learn that his girlfriend, Cassidy Yates, may be a Maquis smuggler. Whoa. All right. Shit, dog. How are we going to watch it? That is a good question. Only Game of Buttholes Will of the Prophets can tell us. That's true. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So at present, we're on square 14. I'm going to roll these bones and see what we're going to do. Fuck. Drink is the antidote. I rolled a four, Adam. That yeah. means our next episode is a Quark's Bar. Great. Great. It's been a long time since we've done a Quark's Bar episode. Yeah. Some would say too long. Some would say not long enough. Right. I think I'll have a better grasp on how I feel by the end of that <laughs> recording session. Fun. Uh, well, that will be next time. Uh, and in the meantime, you can head to 
MaximumFun.org slash donate to support the show. You can head to Twitter.com and use the hashtag GreatestGen to find tweets that people drop about the show. Uh, I'm on there at BenjaminAHR. Adam is on there at Cut for Time. Also, uh, that's a great place to check out the trading cards that Bill Tilly makes for every episode of the show. Uh, and also the posters that J.J. Lendl makes for every episode of the show. Both weekly delights that use the Greatest Gen hashtag. Weekly delights. That's what they are. Music's by the great Adam Ragusea, chopping and screwing the music of the other great Dark Materia. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which may not be the episode that you went to bed with. house, holder of the sacred chalice of Reeks, heir of the holy rings of Beta Z. And unless you want to create an interstellar incident, you had better beam back to your ship. No, don't say it. Think it. Use your mind, not your mouth. Your husband quite likes the idea of seeing me unclothed. Competition seems to bring out the best in the human male. Don't bother to deny it. Your minds are so unsophisticated, I can read your thoughts in my sleep. You can't just stroll onto the bridge whenever you feel like it. I didn't just stroll on, dear. I took that turbo tube or whatever you call it. How much happiness is there in always being there for someone else and never being there for yourself? You see, that, that sap running through the veins helps keep it warm. I have a new love, Jean-Luc. And you can't keep killing all my lovers. Now that simply has to stop. Jean-Luc! You delicious man. You were just thinking of me, weren't you? Oh, I adore diplomacy. Everyone dresses so well. <laughs> I am a woman dressing for a man. Something you might try now and then, dear. You are a kind woman. No, no, I'm a hateful woman. I hate what you're going to do, and I hate you for doing it. It is the custom for your loved ones to join you with this resolution, is it not? Deanna, I love you, but you do make everything sound like an epitaph. If we're to be real friends, we've got to share only the truth. Would you care to come laugh with us? <laughs> Actually, we were about to experience a mud bath. He would not approve of a traditional Betazoid wedding, so I am happily adapting. Now, it's as simple as that. Every pore of my body tingles with contentment. <laughs> I wanted to teach you how to grab the joys of living. And you turned around and, uh, and taught me to not let go of them. Megwees? It looks ordinary. I've never cared to be ordinary. So you see, Odo, even we non-shapeshifters have to change who we are once in a while. You are so precious to me. Permission to disembark, Captain. Thank you for the drinks. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.